Hi, guys. Doug Fernandes, Scott Lockwood. No Dennis Maffazzoli today. It's his day off. The guy doesn't feel like coming in then, does he, Scott? Uh, he worked Labor Day, so he's got to get the day off at some point eventually. So, yeah, we were nice to give it today, and uh is what it is. He's the hottest working man in show business, but this is podcast number three. Uh, basically, on the grid, uh, just the audio, no visual. Uh, week three, uh, first couple of weeks, missed a couple of things. Uh, we want to start off with... To appease our friend Dave Glazer up in St. Stephen's, who used to work down here, and now he's a bigwig up there. Talking about St. Stephen's football team last week, they had won uh, 21 in a row. He was wondering, where's the love? We didn't mention them at all. Let's mention them right here because they beat uh, a very good Tampa Cambridge team last week, 17-6, to to move to their uh, to the 22nd straight win. You haven't seen these guys play, but uh, the level of football they play at they're pretty, pretty, pretty good. Well, yeah, they are. I, I was up. I spent some time with them during our preseason tour, and uh, they're they're focused, locked in. They got they had some retooling they got to do in the offense, and you know, right in by the stories and our accounts of the game, it looked like they had some trouble in the beginning. You know, getting the ball moving, and they got they, they did what they had to do to win. Their defense is good as always, and they're facing a, a pretty stiff test this week with Windermere Prep coming to t- or they're going to Windermere mm-hmm. Prep over making the trip over there. So that um, that streak of theirs might be in a little bit of trouble, but if if they go lose another one, then hey, start another one next week. You know, I, I love that school. I mean, yeah, you know, I I kind of like all the high schools that I cover. They all got great people there. But St. Stephen's is the little engine that could. I mean, a lot of the uh, students up there, they're also great in the classroom. They really have to worry about that first before being great athletes. But they've had great athletes come out of there. Todd Crenetti's been there quite a few years and has really gotten something going there. Really beneath the radar of all the other big schools in this area, right? I would say so. It's a you have, it's kind of a special feeling you go in there. They've got Turner Fields, great complex out there. You know they've won the last two state championships. They play at such a high level for that size of a school and what they have to work with. And uh, some of the bigger schools might take note of what they're doing over there. Yeah, so we'll be looking for their uh, for their result this Friday, and I expect to hear a th- thumbs up and a thank you from Dave Glazer uh, out at St. <laughs> Stephen's after we let off the broadcast with them. But uh, Scott, you were uh, you were at the the marquee matchup going into the game last week, uh, Venice and Riverview. Venice had won, I think, ten in a row. They made it eleven after that nineteen to two victory. Uh, it was a mud bowl down there, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was definitely it took away from the matchup. I mean, you were thinking this is it could have been a shootout. It might have been a defensive affair, but Venice did what they had to do, and they took advantage of a lot of Riverview mistakes and penalties. Um, Venice's defense showed up. They bottled up Ollie Boyce and Michael Hayes. I think they had combined 94 yards or something like that rushing. And when you do something like that, you basically there's no, you're going to beat Riverview. And for the second year in a row, they basically shut them out. I mean, the score that Riverview had was a, on a bad snap on a punt deep in territory. But uh, when that happens, there's nothing your defense can do. But 19 to two, not the prettiest thing. Brandon Gregory came back from his injury in the kickoff classic, two touchdowns. I think he had 70 some odd yards. But you're not going to get a lot of long runs on a field like that. I mean, I'm. I'm not the smallest guy in the world, but even I was sinking into the field on the sidelines. I can't imagine what it was like playing there in that. You know, uh, I covered Riverview a lot last year, and it's still early, and Josh Smith has basically said, you know, we want to be playing our best football at the end of the year. Don't really judge us right now. But one thing I do notice a difference is, that, you know, when they had Arthur Brantley at quarterback last year, uh, Arthur could get them out of a lot of trouble with his feet. Protection breaks down, he runs outside, either runs or he buys time and hits a guy in stride. Uh, they don't really have that this year. You saw it. I saw that at least in the kickoff classic, 
little trouble moving the ball through the air. Uh, they really have to pick it up a little bit. They can't depend on Ollie yeah. Boyce for 30 carries every game. Now, they uh, Michael Hayes plays a little bit of the Brantley role. It goes back from the running back. He'll play some quarterback here and there. But when I saw, I've seen Riverview twice. We covered him. I uh, saw him play Booker, and they actually did some nice things in the air with Sean White that game. But it was just not there against Venice. I mean, Venice's defense, obviously a lot better than what Booker's level is at this point. But yeah, they just couldn't get it done. And when you bottle up the running game, you, that's, that's the blueprint to beat Riverview right there. And Venice, now that we got all the suspensions out of the way involving coaches uh, going forward, John Peacock will be on the sideline uh, for Venice going forward. Larry Shannon steps into the background. Uh, you know, I think I speak for everybody. I hope all this stuff was off-season stuff that was is in the rearview mirror and we can just focus on football maybe going forward like this. Yeah, you've got the... Uh it's basically that matchup is the uh, the dean's list of area coaches. You got Banky Walter has been there what twenty some odd years now, and you have Peacock's coming back. You got Kurt Bradley coming back for Braden River at the Braden River Manatee matchup this week. But that matchup in Venice, I, I, that was a hard one to pick. I think that uh, Charlotte's playing at a really high level, and Venice is still kind of learning who they are with Hayden Wolf at quarterback, and you know Coach Peacock coming back. That's going to be a good one. Dennis will be at that game Friday night, and uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be fun to watch. I was at the Kyler Mooney IMG White game. I had never seen IMG White play. Obviously, it's their lesser players facing Kyler Mooney. Uh, Mooney just uh, basically uh, passed all over him, 41-6. to uh, Ryan Boldick threw four touchdown passes. I guess if you're on the IMG White team, I, are you just happy to be playing football at IMG period? Uh, I, I mean, you're not good enough to play in the blue team, but are you happy just to be playing football? I would almost guess that. I mean, every time you see them play anywhere, I mean, they're, they're not having a lot of success. I don't think they won a lot last year. They played two local teams. St. Stephen's got them last year. And then you, what you saw this week, it just seems like they just struggle to move the ball, struggle to win. And I was at IMG's media day this year, and it was all focused on the blue team, and rightfully so. I mean, there's not a lot of mention of that white squabble I was there. And I, I, just to me, it sounds like it's the kids, like you say, are just they want to play football at IMG. I mean, you're going to have scouts looking at you all the time because of where you're at. So there's a lot, there's a lot to gain from playing there. I just I can't quite figure out why they're so far below the blue team. I guess it's kind of tough to explain. I, I I just would like to know whether if a guy on the white team can improve enough to make the jump up to the blue team. Is it like a triple A major league, you know, a double A major league, where if you show enough on the white team, they might bump you up to the blue chipper team? Well, the white team's quarterback entered the season for the as the starter for the blue team, and I think he got halfway through week one or two, and then uh, David that Baldwin, the kid that looks like a lot like Michael Vick's right. taking over as their quarterback now. And you know, I guess uh, they they had said last year when they formed a team there was gonna be they were gonna be able to be interchangeable if they needed, but you kinda wonder about that, don't you? Yeah, you you do wonder. You did the story on the uh uh, Who did you do a story on early this year, the IMG guy? Yeah, it was a quarterback. Guy. Yeah. yeah, and that's uh, they were he was coming off a great performance in seven on seven. He looked like he was ready to go. And right. when you bring in a kid that uh, looks like Michael Vick and he's playing right. like Michael Vick, it's kind of tough to ignore. So, oh, is this the Lockwood curse? Oh, that, the ongoing Lockwood yeah, curse. Yeah, the ongoing Lockwood curse. It's <laughs> followed me everywhere I've ever been. In Illinois, it followed me to Charlotte. It followed me to Venice. Now it's up here in Sarasota and Bradenton. I mean, so. when you go to interview kids, they know about this curse. They run the other direction. They actually don't want to talk to you because they figure they might break a leg the next game or something. Well, I think it went away <laughs> when I was in Venice, judging by the state championships. They all won while I was yeah. down there. But since we're up here now, I think it's alive and well again, which is kind of <laughs> scary for everybody out there. So... When you see me come to you on the sidelines, mm, I don't know. You might you, want to be a little leery. You might want to do a double take. Hey, uh, just going around the games last week, Manatee 
county rivalry, 29 to 20 over Palmetto. Uh, and, you know, Brett Timmons got his first win as Southeast coach over the Sarasota Sailors. Uh, Sailors really, you know, I, I talked to the coach uh, after their first game. They really need to learn how to play the game. And I think that's what you're going to look forward to, Sarasota, going forward. Just making the basic plays that you normally see on a football field uh, weekly. That's what it sounds like. Uh, looking, looking at Sarasota's stats and their recaps those first two weeks, um, they've got a long way to go. And um, I think they got the right guy to do it, teach them kind of the Braden River way because that's where he came from. But, you know, you work with what you got, and they're, they'll learn their way. It's just going to take some time. I mean, obviously playing in that district, they're, they're going to be overmatched bad against those top three teams. But... You know, hopefully, uh, for their sake, they get it right, and uh, maybe next year we'll talk a little bit better about them. You know, I have a story coming out Friday. Uh, I was up there uh, at Bayshore High School talking to Coach John Bizoons. You know, a team two years ago, different personnel, they allowed over 350 points. Through, through two games this year, they've allowed three points, and I went up there to find out what the deal is. And uh, besides different personnel, they moved from a 4-3 to a 3-4 defense. Jamal Sanders, defensive coordinator, apparently is doing a great job. Yeah, you know they're two and zero. They have a chance in the district to, to maybe go undefeated or maybe one loss. That's a nice story developing up there because Bayshore gets lost amid all the other schools up there. Oh, absolutely, they do, and it's uh, what a turnaround. I mean, if they win this week, they equal their win total from a year ago. And I think they win that district. I don't see how he's not our coach of the year when that comes out. I mean, look at that turnaround with those to be. I mean, they haven't had a winning season since what two thousand three four. They haven't started three and zero and. Nobody around yeah. here remembers. It's been that long, and it's it's been nice. It's been a nice, refreshing change up there in Manatee County for them. Now they're on the road against Cape Coral Island Coast. I know you do the caps for the paper. I don't know much about Island Coast uh, this year. I mean, did they have a shot of going? It's a tough road game. Uh, they have a chance of going three and zero. Absolutely, they do. I mean, Island Coast has been, I think, outscored ninety something to twenty eight in their two games this year, and. You know, the way that Bayshore's playing their defense, they clamp down on that. They won't need a whole lot of points to do it with that. So I guess a young quarterback up there and their two-headed running back attack. But I, I can see them going 3-0 and very easily. And, uh, and for a program that hasn't had much success, I kind of root for a program like that that really hasn't had victories yeah, over we're, the past few years. We're not supposed to root for them, but yeah, that's a good story. And we always root for the good story, of course. That's, so. that's what yeah, it is. Yeah. People say, what would you rather cover? What sport do you rather cover? I said, I'll cover any sport where there's a decent story yep. that you can get out of that sport. Well, exactly. I mean, it's with long-suffering fan base up there, and uh, they being, of course, right across the street from IMG doesn't help matters mm-hmm. much, thinking of what they could be there. But it's it's going to be fun to watch, see how that talent turns out this year. I mean, maybe they do make the playoffs. Maybe they finish 7-3, and 8-2, and two, whatever it may be. So we'll see what happens. You know, just looking ahead to the games Friday night, we'll all be at a different game. I'm going to be at the game where something has to give, Sarasota and Booker. I know Booker uh, played a CCC Friday night. The game went kind of late. We didn't get a result in the paper, but I think they lost 42-20. to 20. So they're having a little trouble uh, keeping opponents out of the end zone. I'm sure maybe there was probably a couple of turnovers. As Booker was, uh, had turnovers the first week against Venice. And Sarasota 0-2. It's going to be at Tornado Alley. I guess something has to give here. We have to have one team going off the side here. Well, somebody's going to win that game. It's like I said about those two last week. I don't think they're going to see a lot of points again. I think I picked 20 to 10 or something like 20 to 9, maybe kind of an identical score of last week. But uh, I saw Booker week two, seven turnovers that game against Riverview. And last week, I, we don't know a lot about that because I couldn't find any information early on the Clearwater Central Catholic. They're also the number one team in 3A. So right. 
that was another fa- kind of a factor to take in. But, yeah, something's going to give. I, I would think Booker will break the snide this week in a tornado alley. Yeah, you know, it. Uh- you know, the thing with Booker is they've and and it's it's been their mo throughout the last several years. They always have good athletes, but they always seem to hamstring themselves by just making critical mistakes. I mean, you can get by with mediocre talent if you play a clean game. Good talent mixed in with mistakes usually ends up losing. Yeah, mistakes are the name of the game. Put the ball on the ground, you're going to lose nine times out of ten. I mean, we saw it with Venice in the kickoff classic. It was turn the ball over five times, end up in a tie. I mean, three of those turnovers in the red zone. You take those away, they win easily. So it's just something you see in football, especially at this level. What game are you going to? What game do you got? I have um, I have the other uh, marquee matchup. I've got uh, Manatee at Braden River. So that's um, how do you how do you anticipate that that going? Uh, Braden River looked good last week, but uh, county rivalry. It's a county rivalry. Uh, Manatee showed some signs of life against Palmetto last week. Um, you know, Batie, he's doing some amazing things at Braden River. Um, Kurt Bradley's back this week. I think that's going to be the momentum shot they need. They're playing at home for the first time this year. And I think Braden River's going to win this one on Friday night. You know, not to pick on Batie, but, you know, he's just an example of guys that transfer, transfer, transfer. And, you know, you can't really tell the players without an updated scorecard from year to year. You know, these guys are supposed to be transferring schools because of academic reasons. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's going to be a reason you go to a school other than to join their football team, whether it's an IB program or whatever. I got to believe that a lot of these co- players that have really crisscrossed schools and sometimes counties, it's not all football reasons. It's not It's not academic reasons that they're switching. I, you'd think so. I mean, with Hayden Wolf in Venice, for example, I, I guess the, the scuttlebutt was when he was committed to Kentucky at the time, they wanted him to see some better competition. That's why he transferred to Venice, and now he's not, he's not going to Kentucky anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, you see that a lot. I mean, it's just, I guess, part of the landscape these days. You know, back when I was growing up, I'm a little bit considerably older, it, it would have been uh, heresy. It would have been sacrilegious for the staff football player on my team, Beffitt High School, to go play at Fairhaven High School, the county rival. It just wasn't even considered. And he wanted to play at BU, was one of their best players. I guess ESPN culture, the culture of playing on Saturdays, your parents telling you you're a great player, that, that factors into it, right? Yeah, I played at Riverview, and Todd Johnson was on our team. Of course, he went on to play with the Bears in the Super Bowl. So that's, that would have been like him leaving the team. But, yeah, I just I don't quite get it. Stick with where you're going to be, and that's the way it should be. You know, I mean, a lot of football players figure they can't reach their maximum potential unless they have good quality guys around them. And to a certain extent, that's great. A good running back with a subpower offensive line isn't going to show the same kind of talent that he would behind a blue chipper offensive line. Right, but uh, if you got the talent, you're going to get seen somewhere you eventually. Will. I mean, you may not get like the higher-end offers, but you're going to get seen. And it's, if your education gets paid for at the next level, to me, that's what matters the most. And I think a lot of these players, and not to go on a big soapbox thing, I think a lot of the players, not just this area but elsewhere, they come out putting all their eggs in this football basket, and they don't really maybe take advantage of the educational pot that they're getting paid for. And if it doesn't work out with football, they're sort of left with holding nothing. Exactly. I mean, that's why college athletics are nice, but get, as my grandfather would always say, get that degree. That's what you got to focus on. I mean, if, if athletics is what gets you there, it's a God given talent, you got to do it. You know, in my case, there was not even any question because I was not the athletic type at all. So that, that wasn't even a consideration. It had to be academics and, and do well grade wise. Uh, a couple of other games in the area Palmetto at Riverview. I mean, you're hoping that Riverview, if you're a Riverview fan, gets the passing game in gear. But that could be a pretty good matchup. Uh, I can't remember the last time I covered a Palmetto 
Riverview game. Palmetto's another one of those teams I spent some time with in the preseason. Right. And uh, if if they if Anthony Marino can throw the ball, Riverview has a real tendency to give up the big play on their defense. And um, if, if they can throw the ball, and plus Palmetto's got some big guys in the receiving core. So if I, I, could, I can see Palmetto winning that game, especially if that passing game is going. They, plus they've got some good running team. They've got a pretty high-octane offense against that Riverview defense. If it's a dry track, I think Palmetto will win that game. You know, just looking down the schedule, uh, you know, we mentioned Braden River at Manatee, uh, Zephyr Hills Christian at Braden Christian. You got Tampa Berkeley Prep coming into Cardinal Mooney. Uh, Cardinal Mooney was 4 and 0 back in 14. Can you do you anticipate or do you see Mooney? I can. To... It's the Meckley way. It's uh, you see in the old Southeast, um, Southeast, I hope I can talk, the old Southeast yeah. look and Manatee, I mean, up at Mooney. And the best part is those two play each other later in the year. At, uh, it's going to be at Cardinal Mooney. That's going to be kind of a neat thing, Timmons against his old coach. So that's one to look forward to. But, yeah, Mooney, uh, I think we have them at the top of our small school oh. rankings as well. They should be. And they're, I think they'll, you'll see them ranked in 3A before it's all said and done. It's just nice seeing Coach Meckley, who is, uh, I, I, can, I can pretty much say without even thinking, that's probably the oldest head coach out there, you know, bouncing around the sideline like a head coach who's got his first year at his, at his first at his first school. So it's always nice to see Paul out there doing what he does best. I played against him, his teams 25 years ago with Peter Warwick and all those, and it's looking the same way again, which is kind of neat to see that the old ways still really do work. How about uh, pick the score on Venice at uh, Venice at Charlotte? Uh, that, uh, That's almost a pick game, you'd almost say. I mean, just Charlotte playing at such a high level in 6A. Uh, they knocked off a good Dunbar team. They went up, the, up to the road last week and beat... Um, was one of those teams up in Clearwater, but I don't know. I still think with um, Venice playing at home, the um, Powell Davis might be the toughest stadium in the entire area to win a game for a road team. I'm going to say I'll say Venice wins that game. I'll say 27-20. Well, that sounds pretty good. Uh, and you do you make the do you and Dennis make the picks in the paper, or is that uh, I know you write the caps. We both make picks. I'm well, the, the HT preps pick is me, right. and Math makes his own. Uh, have they have they dovetailed? Have they been about the same or or we were, we were, were actually for the season? I went twelve and three last week, and he right. went he went uh, eleven and four. So I'm one game ahead of him on the season because he had Sarasota beaten Southeast last week, and I took Southeast, and that was the difference. So we're um, playing for a little pride here in the office uh, with me learning the area this year. To, uh, being ahead of the guy who knows everything about everything is kind of neat so far. Well, we're going to keep track of this uh, this tote board, this running tote board between you two, and uh, maybe at the end of the year we'll award a prize to you know who comes out on top. Yeah, we'll see what kind of dubious I, honor we can come up with. It'll be fun. You know, we were going to we talked about maybe coming out with a uh, last year when I, when I did on the grid with John Lemba, we had the lock of the week. You think we should revisit it? Uh, now the, the ground rules last year was if you picked a team, you couldn't repeat that team's pick as the year went on. Which makes it kind of tough. I like it. Uh, so, well, let's let's jump right into it. Uh, I don't know if you're giving this much thought. Do you uh, do you want to? You got your lock of the week already already picked here. Um, let me defer to you on that one first, while I think about it just for a second. Okay, I get a. Th- well, listen, I am going to uh, go with. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with Cardinal Mooney. I saw them play last week. I, I like their passing game. Uh, I think they win. I think they they beat uh, Berkeley Prep, especially with the game being at Austin Smith Stadium. 
I'm going with Mooney as my lock of the week. I'm going to go with ODA, and the reason is because it's a playoff rematch from last year, and they're, it's against one of those team from Lakeland. I mean, they're making the trip up there. They've put up a lot of points in their first two games, which were within five days of each other this week with the weather cancellations in week one, but I think they're going to put it on this team from Lakeland. I think it's Santa Fe Catholic they're playing. They'll win again. Now, this is what we will keep track of, okay? Next week, we'll revisit our picks, and we'll remind each other that, uh, you know, I can't pick Mooney. And I can't pick ODA. And you can't pick ODA anymore. Right. So going forward, let's see which which of that hamstrings, picking it where we did, hamstrings us going forward. Right. Because you can't double back on it. Uh, a couple of local things before we get to Brian Wheatley. I wrote about it a couple of days ago. Uh, Richie James, former Ram great, uh, went on to play at Middle Tennessee State, was a great there. Uh, he made the 49ers roster, one of their six receivers. He was third uh, in receiving yards. Uh, was near the top in terms of receptions, did the same thing in high school and college, and apparently he's doing with the 49ers. So that's a very nice story. Did you ever see him play? I real Maybe against Venice back yeah. in well, – it's been – like I say, you see a lot of these kids. I was When I was in Venice, I covered strictly Venice, so mm-hmm. I, I can't remember a lot of the area kids at that right. time. But it's an awesome local story, especially when they make the NFL like that. It, dream come true. And he's got a chance to make some noise up there with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback. I, I think so because Garoppolo tends to spread it around, and uh, he's the kind of guy – who's slippery, he's small. I remember him at Riverview, he just looks like he's a million miles an hour faster than he was at Riverview, stronger, and just uh, he's, he's matured as a player. Yeah, that's what you – I mean, for a guy like him, he's going to have to make his living on special teams. And uh, if he can do that, he's going for he could have a nice long career out there in San Francisco or wherever else the journey might take him. And if you had hung around, if you had been watching the Coastal Carolina game, you had hung around of a blowout loss to South Carolina, you would have seen the Venice co- connection – of Bryce Carpenter hitting Javon Hylee with an eight-yard touchdown pass in the fourth quarter. The game was a blowout, but doing the exact same thing that we both saw quite a bit down in Venice. A lot. Uh, I mean, however many times they led. Was it, he had 32 touchdowns or something like that last year. Carpenter threw for uh, – it was it was a crazy amount that he did. and It looked like the last four years all over again. They had ran that same out pattern. We saw them run at Venice a lot. and uh, Neat to see them connect, play at the next level together like that. And the, the, the head coaches, the comments from the head coach were that, uh, you know, they're learning, they'll see more time. So I think it's a, it's a situation you expect from freshmen to get, get their feet a little wet, and as they get used to the program and get better, ease them into the lineup even more. Right on. I mean, it's uh, the, the talent they have is with the talent, the chemistry they have, the, they're going to be good together up there. I mean, they can, they can create some noise in that conference when they're about juniors or so, and look forward to that. Yeah, I, I don't think the conference and the level of football will be beyond their capabilities. I right. think they're in the right area where they belong. Last thing before we cut it off here, Brian Wheatley, everybody knows him from the area. I remember a few years ago I was on his his uh, his bad list after that uh, district trophy thing. But uh, 600 victories, unbelievable. For somebody, you were at the match. The environment must have been something. It was it was like a playoff game in there. You had a state power come in from Tallahassee, and but they swept them. I mean, the first match was, I think maybe the was the real blowout. The Tallahassee kept up, it was Lincoln. They kept up with them good, but Venice did what they've done so many times. It was another sweep against the state power team, and you know they they did they gave him the win. I mean, Wheatley says it's more about their relationships with his alumni and his players, and making sure that they develop into quality young women over their lifetime instead of the wins, but. Uh, it's unbelievable what he's done since 1994, the five state championships, 600 wins. I think they've only lost 132 or something like that in that time. It's, it's why he's in the Hall of Fame. Do we, 
I mean, he loves what he's doing. We may have touched on this last week. I mean, does he give an indication how long he wants to go on? I mean, I don't think we know who leads the state in volleyball victories. Maybe that's something we can look up. But do you get the impression that he just loves what he's doing so much he's going to keep going? I asked him specifically if he thought he'd stick around for a thousand wins, and yeah. he said no, not that. But uh, you know, his daughter, his daughter's a senior. Brooke, Brooke Wheatley's a senior. He's got a son that thinks a sophomore. And, of course, he coaches the boys' team, too, that new boys' volleyball team, which those wins did not count towards the total. I asked him specifically about that. And uh, we'll see how long he keeps going after um, after Luke graduates. I think he might stick around a while. I mean, he loves the Venice. He loves the Venice community. He loves the sport of volleyball and the sport they have. I mean, it's 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 a fun thing to watch. I mean, if you've never been to a, a match in the TP, you need to go see one. And uh, they're playing uh, Tallahassee Leon. I think it's October 10th off of my head. And that's a rematch of the state final from last year, and both teams are nationally ranked. So if you're going to go see any volleyball match at all this year, that's the one to get to. No matter how long Wheatley coaches, to follow him would be like following a guy like Robin Williams to the stage if you're a comic. You do not want to follow a guy who posts 600 or however many wins he ends up with. Or as you would say, following Bill Belichick. Following um, Bill Belichick. Yeah, that's um, I think Josh McDaniels, um, which is a sore subject with me, might be the one that does that, but... Uh, Hey, well, it's not somebody I want to do. I mean, maybe one of his old players comes back and takes over. We don't know. I mean, he might stay around for another 20 years, and it's a moot discussion at this point. Hey, I know we got to get off. Well, what's your take? This is not totally high school. I noticed you posted it and got a little political comments about Kaepernick and the Nike stuff. Uh, if I had Nike stuff, uh, I don't know if I'd burn it yeah. uh, when it's already paid for. And I don't think the Nike company cares that no. you're burning They already have your money in their, in their, in their vault. Yeah. But uh, it's amazing how this thing has... Uh, has turned political. My ta- on your page. My take on it, yeah, it got bad last yeah. night, and I was not anticipating that. I, the only, it was kind of a slight joke. I mean, I've seen these people, oh, I'm boycotting, no, oh, I'm getting rid of my stuff. Well, everybody who knows me know I'm, knows I'm going through a weight loss journey. It's been mm-hmm. going through a year and a half, 127 down now. That's besides the point. Mm-hmm. But um, if somebody wants to give me some of their workout gear that they didn't want, that's all it's saying. Yeah, bring it on to me. Right. And if you didn't, and if I can't use it, then we have a homeless problem here in Sarasota. We can. You know, donate some of the, the to the homeless vets who really need the stuff. If you want to, instead of burning it, I mean, that's just ludicrous. I, I mean, if you want to extrapolate, yeah. you know, taking stuff. Why were you upset with that Kaepernick? That Kaepernick was uh, kneeling in the first place. Yeah. Well, if you're going to take Nike stuff, and if you really care about yeah. disabled veterans or homeless veterans or the veterans, yeah, don't don't burn the stuff. Somehow give it to them. I have a bunch of Nike stuff that's uh, no longer fits that I'd be happy to give away. Yeah. I'm certainly not going to burn it. Well, my whole take on the situation is this. I mean, Nike is going to choose how to spend their money advertising. We don't have anything to say about it. We can't control it. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, if you're that passionate about hating it, then to each their own is what I like to say. Now listen, they did. it was a calculated risk. I'm sure Nike figured, okay, which people will we attract yep. by this campaign and which people will we tick off? And I'm thinking they're thinking, well, anybody below the age of, let's say, 30 or 35 yeah. is going to be on the side of Kaepernick. Anybody who's maybe older uh, would be on the side of yeah. uh, the anti-Kaepernick. Yeah. So they made a business. That the stock went down about 2%. Yeah, the Nike know. stock went down after they announced it, which I thought say, was If it of... goes down another 3%, it might be time to jump on some of that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, uh, but we're not a financial financial advisor right, We're here. not making any recommendations, yeah. but when you buy it, the, 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 the number one thing is when a good company – Buy it on the dip. When it goes down, you know it's going to go back up. So that's when you want to buy it. Scott, anything more we haven't covered? Uh, we've already gone on 27 minutes. No, this is a, this has been a good one today. Get uh, Looking forward to another good week of football. Let's hope the weather cooperates with us this week. It's 
been a great season so far. I mean, a lot of uh, Dennis wrote, we don't know who our best team is. Maybe we'll start figuring that out in the next couple of weeks. But uh, it's been great, especially for me, seeing all these new all these teams. For me, it's like the first time all over again. So, uh, I, I know, you know we, we, we root for the story, which means we want to watch a good football game, which means not a, a game uh, uh, b- uh, bogged down by penalties, especially the kind of penalties of no concentration, yeah. you know, offsides. Uh, snap violations, snap counts, jumping offside—that makes great football. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I'm, I'm like, I said, I'm up at Braden River Manatee. I think it's going to be a madhouse up there at Braden River. I'm looking forward to seeing that rivalry. All right, so we'll be back next week. Fernandes Lockwood, maybe Dennis Mafazoli, maybe not. I think this is proven that uh, we can fly just fine without the math. Yeah, he'd, uh, we might be the dean, but hey, we can keep the ship afloat. Exactly. So join us next week, Doug Fernandes, Scott Lockwood on On the Grid podcast.